Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Today on the show, you and I discuss conspiracy theories, what was really going on during the hunt for the Titanic, and Shelly Wade joins us to talk about syrup again. Welcome to the future where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses, where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is and a new before in history has so much meant so little to so many. A.D. on the radio. So, you know, apropos of nothing, I wanted to start the show today by sharing with you the wildest story I came across while I was reading the paper. Uh, Sidebar, do you actually read the paper? Because when I say read the paper, I mean uh, flip through my phone and see what the hell is going on in the world digitally. I haven't read the paper like ever in my life. I guess I used to read the funny papers when I was a kid and I read online versions of newspapers my whole life. But I'm one of those people that has grown up unable to sort of relate to people that must hold in their hand a newspaper. Whenever I've held newspapers in my hand, I get newsprint all over them. I'm just not a fan. I don't like the way the pages stick together. I don't like the way they take up space. And uh, my dad used to read the paper when I was a kid, and I like that. I mean, I've got no problem with people reading the paper, but here's the thing. As the sections kind of got disseminated around the house, as me and my sister took the funny papers, and as my mom took the culture section, and my dad read the news, like, all these sort of, like, bits of paper would start lying around the house. And if you're like me, sort of an obsessive, compulsive, neat freak, ugh, just the aftermath of someone reading the paper was a little too much to take. So it's messy, there's newsprint, there's all these sort of annoying things that you got to deal with. And reading the paper was never for me. But I say when I read the paper, and I don't know why, I think it's just something that we've all grown up saying because our parents grew up reading the paper. And when I say reading the paper, I mean reading online versions of the newspaper on my phone. I got to tell you, I did, it was a couple Christmases ago, I did let go of the concept of reading hard copy books. For a while, I was that guy who went, I, I must hold this book in my hand. I've got to turn the pages. I've got to feel it. I've got to smell the smell of a book as I'm uh, kind of taking in whatever piece of literature I'm taking in. That's the way it's meant to be enjoyed, don't you know? Like I used to be that guy. And I know plenty of people that are still like that. But I remember one Christmas when I was flying to see family, I was just bored out of my mind. And well, I'd gotten into reading on a Kindle occasionally, like I'd done that a couple times and that sort of seemed okay, but it still felt like a book holding it in your hand. But I had all my books on Amazon and I was like, I'm so bored and I don't really get service where we're going. And I thought, let me just download a whole bunch of books onto my phone with my Amazon account. So I did. And ever since then, I've just been a convert. 
I've been able to enjoy the di- the digital form of all forms of literature. I love it. It's greatest. I love the fact that I can have a complete library on my phone. The idea that I used to lug books around with me, multiple books, like whenever I was going away on a trip, whenever I was flying, whenever I was going to be on a bus for a long amount of time, uh, or take the subway as you do in New York City, you get around primarily with buses and subways. I would always go, what books am I taking with me? I'll take this one and this one in my backpack, so I'll have a choice. So I used to lug multiple books around New York City and on planes and on vacations. And I was only able to let go of that antiquated thing maybe a couple years ago when out of sheer boredom I started being able to read books on my phone. And you know what? If you're one of those people that needs to hold and turn the pages and do all the things that one does with a book in the more traditional sense, I get that. I understand that. I was that guy for a long time. But it is freeing. It is freeing to be able to walk around with an entire library in your back pocket. The relationship with literature and media has obviously changed because you don't have that physical relationship anymore. You don't go to the bookstore. You don't go, here's a book that I've been waiting to buy. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to grab it. Here it is on the shelf. I'm going to hold it in my hand and turn the pages and all these things. Or when you get a book as a gift from someone, someone gives you a book and they write something on the inner cover and that's all nice. And that's gone away. And you know what? It does sort of bum me out during the holiday season because quite frankly, If someone wants to get me a book for the holidays, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. If that's your Christmas present, I just really want the Kindle version. You can't unwrap that. It's not cool and it's kind of boring and yeah. I was thinking about this when I was a kid and we'll get on to the craziest news story of the day in just a little bit, but I was thinking about this because I'm seeing, you know, some folks over the holidays and they're younger and I was like, man, gift giving has really changed from being a child. Like if you want to buy a kid a gift. In the past, my go-to was CDs. When I was a child, that's all I wanted. I wanted CDs and I wanted books. And that's great because, well, you can hand a kid a CD. It's wrapped. You know it's compact disc shape or maybe you've got one of those crafty relatives that likes to put it in a box that makes it look like it's not a compact gift. Uh, compact disc, rather. Uh, your gift is really... Um, I got you a boring sweater. It feels like a sweater. It looks like a sweater. Oh, look! It's the CD you requested. Yeah, yeah. That's the right Rage Against the Machine album, right? That was my childhood. But now... I don't know what to get a kid that is a fan of music. You know, what are you going to do? They've all decided to consume their music through streaming services. I got to get you a year long membership to some sort of online gaming community or something. That's no fun. You can't unwrap that. And that's what they want. It's weird. Kind of destroys the magic of Christmas. (laughs) The way we've started consuming media in the digital age. I'm a big fan of having things to unwrap and giving things to unwrap. But nevertheless, we move on. When I was reading my version of the paper, being a child of the digital era, like that song. What's that song? Bad Religion? 21st Century Digital Boy? When I heard that, I was like, oh, that's me. (laughs) But as I was reading the paper which I still insist on saying this morning, I came across this absolutely insane story behind the military's secret mission to locate the Titanic. Were you aware of this? Now, this was classified stuff. But speaking about now declassified events, Robert Ballard, who discovered the Titanic, said 
that the the expedition to discover the Titanic wasn't really the expedition to discover the Titanic. It was part of a secret U.S. military mission. Yeah, did you catch this? You and I will discuss exactly what this secret military mission that accidentally wound up discovering the Titanic was all about in just a little bit. Thank you so much for hanging. Thank you so much for being a part of my radio family. So like I said, it was a wild story. And you know what? There's no moral to this story. There's no cute homily to follow it. There's no, hey, we learned something from this. So there's there's none of that. It was just freaking nuts. When I read it this morning, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to share this. I don't know if you caught it or not, but... The search for the Titanic, as it turns out, not so much the search for the Titanic. Speaking about now declassified events, this guy Robert Ballard, who discovered the, the Titanic. Well, he said that the expedition to discover the Titanic wasn't necessarily that. It was part of a secret U.S. military mission. To do what? They weren't looking to recover the Titanic. They were looking to recover two sunken nuclear submarines on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. He said, quote, they did not want the world to know that. So I had to have a cover story. <laughs> yeah. The true story of what happened is now a museum exhibit at the National Geographic Museum in Washington. And Ballard was a commander in the U.S. Navy. And he was a scientist at Woods Hole Oceanographic, uh, Ocean, Oceanographic Institution. And... This is how they did it. This is all cloak and dagger, very X-Files-y stuff. This is the sort of thing that makes Alex Jones fans don their tinfoil hats and keep an eye out for shape-shifting lizard people living in the hollowed-out moon. The Navy offered him funding and opportunity to quote-unquote search for the Titanic but only if he first explored the USS Thresher and the USS Scorpion. Yeah, these were two American nuclear subs that sank in the 1960s. Insane, right? Like I said, it's a calm Mulder and Scully moment. But he said, they wanted me to go down and go back and not have the Russians follow me because we were interested in the nuclear weapons that were on the Scorpion, and also what the nuclear reactors were doing to the environment, which is an uncomfortable thing to hear. But when his team finished exploring the Scorpion and the Thresher, they just had 12 days left in their trip to search for the Titanic. Yeah, the vast majority of this trip was to find and explore these two nuclear submarines that went down in the 60s. Then they had to quickly go find the Titanic, so it looked like the whole thing wasn't a giant ruse. Insane, right? 
The ship that sank on its maiden voyage was found on the ocean floor at a depth of more than 12,000 feet in the North Atlantic, North Atlantic Ocean. He said, when we found the Titanic, we were naturally very, very excited because it was a tough job. We got it scoring the winning goal at the buzzer. The famous discovery set off major press attention. And, well, <laughs> we know how the Titanic has since been romanticized courtesy of Kate and Leo. But the expedition's true purpose was kept under wraps. Yeah, a New York Times story from the days after the discovery features a series of denials from officials about the project. Yeah, they were straight up denying that it was anything to do with anything other than the Titanic. Navy spokesman Captain Brent Baker said at the time that the project was simply to test if the oceanographic system worked. And scientists denied any kind of military involvement. And, oh, man... This, this is insane. If this doesn't whet your appetite for more, I don't know what will. Ballard, the guy that discovered the Titanic, who did so under the ruse of... Well, who did so even though it was a ruse to cover up the fact that he was exploring and searching sunken nuclear submarines that went down in the 60s. Ballard, the guy that discovered the Titanic... Wow, this guy's a man of action. This is the type of person that you write spy books about. But... He said that he's been involved in other secret Navy missions which have yet to be declassified. I know. Like I said, if it doesn't leave you hungry for more, I don't know what will. The longer you're in a relationship, it's just hard to sustain that energy, right? Look at Titanic. Everyone said that was the most romantic movie. Yeah, because it was about two teenagers that knew each other for two days. They should have done it about a couple that had been together for a few years. Let's see how romantic they would have stayed during that whole crisis. Get in the goddamn boat, Rose! I don't want to get in the boat. Get in the boat. I'm freezing my ass off out here. I wanted to go to Jamaica, but no. I don't want to go to Jamaica. I want to take a cruise in the middle of the winter. You never draw me naked anymore. So are you any kind of conspiracy theorist? I got to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a skeptic of pretty much everything. I would love to believe that such a thing as the supernatural existed. I'd love to believe there were ghosts. I'd love to believe there was more than just nothing after we pass away. I'd love to believe that there was more life out there than we knew about. Now, here's the thing. I actually do believe that there's got to be something else out there. I find it very difficult to fathom the idea that in all of creation, we are the only things that are living or that have ever lived. But I don't think we've made contact with them. I don't think they've made contact with us. All of the above is something that I look at skeptically. I'm a skeptic when it comes to conspiracy theories that would love to be proven wrong. But when you hear, when you hear something like this, when you hear that the hunt for Titanic was not really the hunt for Titanic. The hunt for Titanic was a hunt for two sunken nuclear submarines that went down in the 60s. It does make you think, hmm, what, what else do I not know? What else am I not being told? And there's an obviously an awful lot that we're not being told and we don't know. But I've decided I'm biting down a buddy of mine who is very much a conspiracy theorist. And I don't know if you would call him a theorist because he genuinely believes. And you know what? I've come to the conclusion that if someone believes this stuff, who am I to argue with them? Well, on most of this stuff. There's some... 
there's some things where I, I just believe that seeing is believing and until until I see it I, I won't believe otherwise like I, I do not believe the earth is flat and people that say the earth is flat nah okay you're allowed to think that but I don't think you're ever going to convince me of this however a buddy of mine has convinced me to watch a documentary and I've decided when I fly to visit family during the holidays I will delve into this movie have you ever heard of it you ever watched it this movie called above majestic the premise of above majestic is this on september 10th 2001 secretary of defense donald rumsfeld announced that 2.3 trillion dollars could not be accounted for within department of defense expenditures now it was september 10th 2001 we all know what happened the next day the very next day the Pentagon's budget analyst's office was destroyed in the attacks of 9-11. So there is a bit of a remaining mystery, at least according to the premise of this documentary. Where are the missing trillions of dollars that Donald Rumsfeld announced were missing? This movie, Above Majestic, it takes a look at what it would take to hide a multi-trillion dollar secret space program. A clandestine group of elite military and corporate figureheads charged with reverse engineering extraterrestrial technology, also known as Majestic 12. There is this idea, there is this idea that after Area 51, we took a stunning technological leap forward. We were in carts and buggies for the longest time. We were rudimentary with regard to our understanding of technology and then all of a sudden we're winning the space race and heading to the moon and if you've watched x-files you know that there's plenty of people out there that believe that we traded all sorts of different things with aliens in exchange for alien tech that could help us win the space race and give us an advantage over other countries anyways i'm uh I'm stoked to dig into this movie above Majestic. If you watch it, let me know what you think. At ADSXE is where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. If you are sitting there going, this is absolute hogwash, well, I, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. But like I said, when you find out the hunt for the Titanic was not actually the hunt for the Titanic, it does make you go, hmm, a little bit. For more stimulation and less irritation, 9 out of 10 doctors choose KPRC AM 950. Houston's more stimulating talk radio. Don't get the blues, get all the news. We need all of you. Guys out there in Radio Land. All aboard! He's back. AD on the radio. I am lucky enough to be joined again by the one and only Shelly Wade. How are you? A to the D. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm better now you're here. <laughs> and but the reason I wanted you to come back was, do you remember, remember last week we talked about that guy who uh, seduced a woman by pouring maple syrup all over himself? Yeah. For, <laughs> for those that weren't listening. <laughs> Um, That's one way to get him. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, who would have guessed a guy who would randomly get naked and cover himself in condiments might be creepy. <laughs> There's this dude, he's a 52-year-old guy named Robert Somley. He's a landscaper in Monroe, Connecticut. He has a 48-year-old female co-worker. They were recently working on a home together when he said he needed a break. About 20 minutes later, she went inside and found him naked in somebody else's house, mind you. Watching porn, covering himself in maple syrup. Wow. And you know what? You you pointed out last time that this is in New England where the maple syrup is good, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, like, <laughs> this could have been a rather expensive proposition. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, last time you didn't tell me their ages. I didn't know he was 52 and she was 48. This kind of puts another spin on it because I was imagining this kid being uh-huh. silly you know, putting maple syrup on himself and trying to impress this young girl. This no. puts a whole spit on it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, I guess at age 52 and 48, you know what you like. You're settled <laughs> in with your um, with your, your fetishes. Yeah, I think so. What, would we call it a syrupy? This, oh, God. Yeah, he would be the, the syrupy. Yeah. Or as we would say in, in, in Houston, the, uh, we say scissorp. So he would be the scissorpy. Scissorpy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Suzerpy sounds like a really, really laid back type of exercise. You gotta do some burpees now, Suzerpies. I guess for those that are not familiar with the Houston hip hop culture. Yeah, that's a Houston hip hop uh, term. Scissor, sipping them. Have you ever tried that? Um, no, actually, and I wouldn't lie to you. Um, no, I have never tried scissor, but, um, you know, listen, I grew up in, now we're getting real hip hop. I grew up in the, in the, um, same part of town as, uh-huh. uh, DJ Screw and uh-huh. all of the, you know, the guys that always talk about the scissor. Now it's like a whole, I don't know, worldwide phenomenon. Everybody's sipping on scissor, but. That pretty much started in Houston. Yeah, it's Not that I'm of, saying that's like the best claim to fame, but I'm just no, saying No, no. <laughs> No, no, like, and, and for those that don't know, it, it's sort of taking codeine cough syrup and mixing mm-hmm. it with Sprite or others, some other kind of soda. Sprite is like the preferential soda to mix it with, right? It was, I, I don't know. You know, I've never had it. You know, and I know that's probably people from my na- neighborhood would probably be shocked that I've never had it, but I haven't. Um, I just, you know, listen, I don't like to drink cough syrup when, when I'm sick, so I don't want to, certainly don't want to drink it otherwise. What, when I found this out, when I moved to Houston uh-huh. and I saw like guys doing this, they're like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me because... Well, you know where it started from, AD. Um, You know, at the time, you know, people don't have a lot of money all the time to buy this kind of thing that they wanted a quick high. Yeah. You know, no, let me, let's go find this cough syrup. syrup. Yeah. Syrup. Syrup. Um, And and that's how it got started, you know, and so it just became this thing, you know. But it's like, it's, it's, you, you can't get it without a prescription here and then sort of like... The, Not scissor, but the cough syrup. The cough syrup mm-hmm. that you, the cough syrup that they mix with Sprite. Mm-hmm. The, you need a prescription, and if you don't have a prescription, I guess the the addiction to the codeine in it is pretty pronounced, and people are willing to part with like a lot of money for it. I heard like yeah. up to a like somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars a you bottle. Know way more about this than you should. I was. Uh, What's I, going on? I here? did some remixes for Paul Wall. Um, First of all, you were a Houston resident for yeah, a long yeah. time. You should know we don't say Paul Wall. We say Paul Wall. Paul Wall. Yes. The, people, Paul Wall. the, the people's champ. Um, <laughs> who's, who's a great guy, but like I, 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 you know, I Paul learned Wall. about uh, the, the uh, I, I learned about consuming cough syrup recreationally. Familiar with it. Okay. Got yeah. It. And then, so, but like what's weird is growing up in England, all that stuff legal. 
codeine is over the counter. You don't need a prescription mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. So it blew my mind that something that you could just go buy for like two pounds fifty from mm-hmm. a Boots chemist in London mm-hmm. was something that people were willing to pay hundreds of dollars for and it was kind of like a heavy street drug and it's 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 a horribly addictive thing and it you know it's really i mean some people say it's killed folks some people say that it can really damage your health in a a very sort of crazy and long-term way well Mm -hmm. this got uh I know. We we went off way on a sidebar. This is a long sidebar. But yes. back to the scissor. Yes, back to this guy, the, 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 the Fif- Vermont syrup. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the syrupy, the fifty-two-year-old guy named uh-huh. Robert Somley, who's a landscaper in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he told his forty-eight-year-old female coworker. They were working on someone else's house. He Mm -hmm. said he needed a break. About 20 minutes later, she went inside, found him naked in that other person's house, mind you, watching porn, covering himself in maple syrup. And shockingly, she was all about it. She was like, ooh, she was all about it. Mm -hmm. Let's let's make this happen. I just, I, ooh. If I walked in on someone like just covering themselves in syrup, I'd be like, this person is really weird. Not that I'm trying to be judgmental, but I wouldn't want to join in on them. You know, I mean, like, you know, everybody's got their something. That's fine. Do you. But I don't want to join you. It's it's really taking a leap. Unless of... it's Idris Elba. If it's Idris Elba, I oh, will really? join him. Right, right. I will make an exception for him. <laughs> Inter- uh, interesting to know which side your pancake is buttered on. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, what are the odds? She was all into it. Like, can you uh, imagine? Like, oh, how did you know? Yeah, I'm a syrupy maybe too. Maybe just had this thing. He had this sense that she'd be all about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> According to the police report, they did stuff involving the syrup. And uh, also to mix things up, brought some blueberry jelly oh, into wow. the mix. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I don't have a, do you have um, fetishes? No. Uh, is that, am I asking too, too, no, 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 too no, personal? No, no, no. I would tell you. And I don't. I don't. I don't. I'd say, you know. I don't have a specific well actually a couple of them but they're not so like weird that someone would walk in on me and think I'm weird like I hey now we're an inclusive society (laughs) weird to you I'm very turned on with men in pinstripe suits and not the Yankees kind right right not the baseball kind but just like pinstripe and not like the big like off the off the rack you know big pinstripe i like the tailor the nicely tailored and so funny because i'm not typically into the businessman types I, li- I normally like you know very artsy and uh-huh. um you know just different guys but for some reason i am very turned on when i see a man in a nice pinstripe suit i did really i have to start fanning myself so that's one. really and it, it like it must be pinstripes like just mm-hmm. you know no pattern on it I like mean, yeah, men look nice in suits, yeah, but the pinstripes, pinstripe. I can't tell you where that came from. I have no earthly idea, but it's something. You know, I should really, really, should I mention this to my therapist and ask her if she could take me through? Yes, to figure out where the pinstripes this sounds comes. significant to me. It's, I don't know where that comes from, but it's such a turn on for me. I mean, I literally get really heated when I see a guy in a pinstripe. I really do. But again, it has to be a nice tailored pinstripe not just like this big pinstripes off the rack it's got to be tailored you know actually it's funny because i don't have a thing for pinstripes but there is one i think 
maybe it's because we like things that are different to us mm-hmm. or maybe what we're not used to but like <laughs> it's like the yin and the yang kind well, of thing well, i was like a you know punk rock kid and um you know was in a punk rock band and mm-hmm. we had a record deal and we went around the world and it's pretty easy to meet girls when you're the lead yeah. singer of a band and you're a teenager uh-huh. like you, the people like how do you approach girls i and my answer was like i don't i just kind of stand there and wait for them to come up to me after the show which stunted <laughs> me when i was no longer in a band and i was like i could never be like hi my name's adrian would yeah. you like to get a cup of coffee i was just used to standing there and like it was like a a muscle that was it wasn't exercise so i forgot how to use it like i had no game okay though you ended up okay yeah but like but here's the thing like because of that Mm -hmm. i had my pick of other sort of like punk rock individuals Mm -hmm. you know like all these chicks in doc martin boots and um you know with crazy hair and Mm -hmm. like multiple piercings like as many of those as you know i wanted mm-hmm. i could have had mm-hmm. for for a while anyway and it's funny you should say the pinstripes because i started getting into girls that were the exact opposite i didn't need the rocker tattooy looking chicks that wanted to be down and were part of some sort of like alternative lifestyle mm-hmm. and look like they would be in a mosh pit on a friday mm-hmm. night that that i'd <laughs> seen plenty of that and Office casual started doing it for me. I'm not You're not like, even mm, look at her. Well, no, no, because no it, slacks. It, it, it went from like, oh, she looks like she travels with the band, which I I wasn't interested in that. To oh, she looks like she has a job. She looks oh. like she has a career. She looks like she's got her life together a little bit. So like, what about completely opposite, like a librarian or something? Well, I mean, I think there's people with like librarian fetishes. fetishes. Like, oh, I mean, like every movie has a cliche. Like, oh, the naughty librarian took off her glasses, and all of a sudden she's gorgeous. Like, it's a weird thing. But like, I I kind of relate to the being into the slightly more formal thing because it was just like I've had a gutful of like broken yeah. chicks that you know want to get on a tour bus and you know do all this stuff that is associated with the rock and roll mm-hmm. scene like and to be honest with you like the less somebody knows about my job and rock bands and profession and like all that sort of stuff the more into them i like okay. the more normal and sort of like kind of like eh, just like i said That's really business casual kind of does it for me because it says you got a job yeah. <laughs> and i like that um but I, i'm curious to, well a couple of different things i'm curious to know a little bit more about your your selection of fetishes and it's worth pointing out that this guy who covered himself in the syrup not only did he get arrested he was arrested again this week no yeah we'll get into the full story next So maybe you like guys in pinstripe suits because, you know, that's not what you've 
had in the past. A pinstripe suit represents stability and, you know, like I said, having a job. Melina, I don't think about jobs when I think about them. I just think about how sexy they look in the suit. Hmm. I mean, it's like, like for me, like, I don't know. I've always been a career woman. So I'm not looking at a guy like, oh, you have to support me. You have to pay my bills. And I'm not looking at like, like, oh, he's got a stable job. Although that would be a nice aspect. Well, I mean, but- also, you don't want some sort of like, I mean... Who was it? Tommy Chong <laughs> from Cheech and Chong. When him and, Tom, and Cheech, when Cheech and Chong weren't getting along, they asked Tommy Chong, "Like, how do you feel about you know Cheech? Do you mm-hmm. like him? Do you wish him well?" He's like, "No." Like, how do you feel about him? He's like, kind of wish his daughter marries a jazz musician, man. And like, and you know, well, it's just like you know, I think it's nice to get a sense of someone's stability when you look at them. And I yeah. think pinstripe suit says you're there, you got it together. I have to talk to my therapist about this because I've never thought to bring this up to her. I mean, just again, I'm trying to think back to the origins of when I, like the, the earliest point I can remember, I was attracted to guys in pinstripe suits. Uh-huh. And I can't remember, but I do know that I get very heated when I see a man in a pinstripe, a nice tailored pinstripe suit. I mean, even just thinking about it right now, I'm just really, you know, just really hot about it. <laughs> I mean, I just, re- I can't even tell you what that's about. And another thing, I love talking about food. That gets me, I don't want to say that gets me sexually excited, uh-huh. but I certainly get really excited talking about food. It's like, I need to, I need you to describe it to me. I need, I need to understand everything you're eating. If I'm not watching you, I want you to make me see it, you know, with your words. You know? Interesting. It's, it's, it's something that really excites me, but just in a, I love food kind of way, and I love talking about food kind of way, not in a sexual way. It's the pinstripe suit is sexual. Though. Right, right. But I would say that talking about food is a so form basically, of fetish for me. Basically, gentlemen interested in uh, the female attention of one Shelly Wade <laughs> should probably start talking about food while wearing a pinstripe suit. <laughs> that would be so amazing. I've never thought about that, AD. Well, so Merry Christmas. Yes, that's, oh my God, yes, that's awesome. There you go. I'm imagining it right now. (laughs) Do you like cooking shows? I do. And you know what's so hilarious? I have a friend, Jackie, who... <clears throat> she knows I've watched cooking shows AD since I was a, a kid uh-huh. and this is before the big you know I guess maybe telling my age but this is before Food Network became a thing for everyone I used to watch PBS all the time for the cooking shows and I have always been obsessed with them funny thing about it is I don't cook that much mm-hmm. I can cook when I do cook my family and friends love it mm-hmm. but I just am not like that person like ooh I gotta get my hands in some pots and pans I'm not that person um but I, it's just something about watching those shows. My friend Jackie, back to her, she's always like, You're, what are you doing right now? I'm like, oh, I'm watching Food Network. And she's like, Did, are you trying any of, any of the recipes? And I'm like, no, she cannot get over the fact that I will watch these shows for hours and not try any of the recipes. Because her reasoning for watching is to try some new recipes. And for me, I just love to see them starting with nothing and then creating these um, masterpieces, Uh these dishes. Um, And so I just get really great satisfaction out of that. So yes, I do love watching cooking shows. I don't cook as much as one would think, but I do love watching them. I want to marry a chef, actually. A chef that wears wears a pinstripe suit. (laughs) When he's not in the kitchen.
Do you do you like uh, the Great British Bake Off? You watch that show? I do. I love it. And you know, I've been watching the American version as well. And I'm kind of like, I, yeah. I love the, the British accents. And so I've been trying not to be discriminatory against the one without the British accent. Here's the thing. Like, I really like it because, I mean, A, I grew up in England, so it sort of, like, helps with my homesickness occasionally. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I love how polite the contestants are to each other. They're all like, help, yo, do you need a cup of sugar? Can I go over here? I'll pop it over here and put it in the oven for you, shall I? Don't forget to preheat like you did last time. They're so, like, nice to each other. And And they're on a a deadline. They're helping each other finish. Right. And, like, (laughs) but, like, an American version of that is, like, you and your bitch-ass entremet are going down. They actually do have an American version, by the way. Oh, I can't bring it's myself been to watch it. It's ABC for the last few weeks, I, and I've been watching it, of course. Oh, gosh. All right, so l- let's get back to this guy. Mm-hmm. He got arrested. The guy who covered himself in syrup. The woman I- joined in, was all into it. She was like, how did you know? I'm a syrupy, too. But the woman found out later that this guy, Robert, had taken a video of the entire thing with his phone. And even though she was all cool with the syrup and the jelly stuff, she was not okay with him recording it without her permission. So I she, think you told me that last yeah. time. Yeah. So she went to the cops. They got a search warrant for Robert's phone and found the video. So he was arrested for voyeurism. But I, that was the first time. That was the first time. And we bring it up now because, well, he got arrested again. Yeah. What the heck? One of the best stupid criminals of the year. 52-year-old landscaper, Robert Sob in Monroe, Connecticut. We learned about Robert earlier this month. He seduced that female friend during the job by getting naked and covering himself with maple syrup. Mm -hmm. He was arrested for the voyeurism and now he got busted again because he was arrested last week for allegedly trying to intimidate the woman that shopped him to the cops. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, so he so he's was just not the smartest, is he? Or the nicest? Hmm. I don't know. He was uh, he was hit with a charge of witness tampering, Interesting. and he was also charged with violating a protective order that banned him from contacting her. Interesting. And on a related note, Shelly Wade, you know what today is? <laughs> what? National Maple Syrup Day. <laughs> it is not. Yes, You're kidding. It, no, I kid you not. Oh, wow. I have some maple syrup in my cabinet. Maybe I should use some today. Not for that. Not, right. not how he used it. But have you, have you ever had any, like, guy, you know, like, because it's one thing to go, hey, could you put on a pinstripe suit for me? Like, nine guys out of ten will be like, that's yeah, going to work? And, and yes, yes, I will. I have, you know, like, I have shared with guys that I'm interested in before how much I have a fetish for pinstripe suits. Yeah. And me sharing that, I don't really go, I don't really try to force them to put one on. Uh-huh. I just kind of put it in their heads for, like, if they want to impress me later, uh-huh. you know, kind of thing. But what were, what were you going to say, though? Uh, um, has any, uh, like, it, that's an easy ask. Mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, you got to get a pinstripe suit but on the but other you hand you have to get one not, tailored specially tailored for you it's, yeah, it's not that easy but it's not like you're crossing a behavioral line by wearing a suit mm-hmm. have you ever had like a guy that wanted to do stuff that you were like well, i don't know about this yeah you know um this guy in sickness isn't in sickness and in health this is pretty sick but okay this guy and i was just about to say i hope my dad's not listening but my dad passed away so i don't have to worry about that but um he, this guy that I used to, you know, we were never in a relationship per se, but we fooled around. And was he your booty call, Shelly Wade? Not exactly, but we did have fun together. Uh-huh. And he was an attorney, believe it or not. And he would always talk to me before we, you know, ever got physical he would always tell me he had a foot fetish and i think that's probably one of the reasons he liked me because i would wear sandals and stuff and i guess he liked my feet i uh, 
I've never understood that, but it seems very <laughs> common because I know a lot of guys people, that are people, into yeah. that. Like, I remember once, like this one buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was. It was some female singer, and uh, she came into one of the other radio stations down the hall to do some performance. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "She's so hot." I was like, "Really? Are mm-hmm. We looking at the same person?" Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, "Dude, she's wearing open toe sandals." I was like, <laughs> "So?" You know, like he was like, "Oh, I have to." Okay, I was like, "And but that's alarmingly common." So yeah, I've had that because I have. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I do have pretty nice feet, mm-hmm. and I keep them. I go get my regular mani pedis, uh-huh. and and this guy, this attorney, um, had a foot fetish, and I knew this because he would always talk about uh-huh. feet all the time. We, we have uh, we have about a minute left, but okay, quick, what did quickly, he do? Uh, we were the first time we fooled around, and uh-huh. it actually ended up being the last time, actually. Oh, really? Um, but that wasn't the reason. Anyway, when we fooled around, most of what he did was take my feet and rub them up against his genitals. <laughs> genitals, excuse me. And I was just like, whoa, this is interesting. He was, and it was a really a huge turn on for him, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. So he was more into that than anything else. That's well, a, that was a major foot fetish. I bet, this time, I bet this time of year, he hangs his stocking by the <laughs> chimney with care. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.